Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Shamelessly Unapologetic with me, your host, Alana Pinsky. So this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about my travel adventures from Dubai, Israel, and Istanbul. And it's funny that I named the title Unapologetically Being a Travel Queen. I felt like it's a little bit imposterish because I don't get to travel internationally that often. In fact, I haven't really done it in years upon years, but the reason I titled it that was because it felt really great to travel. And the fact that I went to three different countries within 13 days, and it made me feel like I was catching up to other people who have been traveling for a while now. Because like when I was living in San Francisco, I could never travel internationally because I could never afford it. And the only reason I was able to actually like afford this for once was when I got laid off from my job, I got a really good severance package. And so if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have been able to afford this trip and have even done it in the first place. And with all the free time that I had, I thought to myself, okay, you know what, this would actually be a really good time to travel. And if you remember my episode with EJ from last week, we literally talked about traveling after getting laid off. And if you have the means to do so, because I understand not everyone has the means to do so, it is a privilege to have the means to do so to travel after you get laid off, you should absolutely take advantage of it. And interestingly enough, I usually never have the means to do things like this, but for once I did. And so I had to take advantage of it. So that is why I ended up doing this trip was because I had the free time and I was going to be doing it with my best friend, which was really exciting and so much fun because I didn't have to do it by myself. Istanbul was the only one that I had to do by myself, but I was only there for 24 hours and I was perfectly fine and I felt very safe when I was there. So I'm so excited to tell you all about this, like some things that I've learned about traveling from these different countries and giving my own personal advice on like travel tips based off the things that I've learned over the past 13 days of my trip. But before I get into that, you know, I always have to start every single solo episode with some life updates. I got back last week, so it's actually been about almost a week now. And I didn't get in until around 5 p.m. because I flew into Seattle because it was cheaper. And then I took the train back down to Portland. And I didn't get in until like what? Uh, Like close to 10 p.m. And that was because there was a small delay when our train was going down because we are on the same tracks as the cargo trains. And so the cargo trains are going to be prioritized over the Amtrak trains. But other than that, it was really great to be back and to see my cat. I mean, I was also sad to be back because it's like going back to the U.S. feels just like a kicker. You're just like, oh, I'm back in the U.S. Everything just felt so much calmer and safer being in other countries compared to the U.S. But just traveling back to the States was a little rough. And the reason I say that was my flight. So I was in economy. I flew Turkish Airlines on the way back and The flight was completely full. I was just super uncomfortable. I didn't have the best leg room. Now, I did have a window view, thank God. Basically, I sat next to these two women, and don't get me wrong, they were actually very nice to me, but they were not nice to the flight attendants, and they got into so much drama with the flight attendants. Like There was a bunch of fighting between them, and basically all this started when I had to get up to go to the bathroom. Like One of the ladies was old, And she couldn't like stand up very well. And so basically her daughter, who was an adult daughter, older than me, and 
As I'm getting out of the bathroom, I see them arguing with the flight attendant because apparently the seatbelt sign is on and they needed to be seated and they weren't doing that because they were waiting for me to come back from the bathroom. So they didn't have to get up and sit down and get up and sit down. And so there was a whole argument about that. Apparently there was one point where things got physical where apparently someone pushed one another. It was so chaotic. And I just couldn't believe that this was happening. One of the flight attendants told these ladies to shut up. And I'm like, holy crap. Turkish people are a little aggressive and pushy, but holy crap. I just was not expecting a flight attendant to tell a passenger to shut up. Like that sounds a little unprofessional in my opinion, but I don't, I don't really know what the rest of the story was because again I was in the bathroom for part of it I only got to see like what was happening once I got out of the bathroom and part of me felt a little bad like I felt kind of responsible for that because I had to go to the bathroom and because they had to wait for me to come back that's what led to that drama but you know at the same time they should have followed the safety directions to sit down and have their seatbelts fastened because the seatbelts fasten sign was on they got into another fight later on and it was just a mess I was like oh my god like just get me off this plane already I am just so ready to just land at this point because they were really unbearable to sit next to even though that they were very nice to me that was the drama coming back to the states but let me tell you going to Dubai was drama in itself and don't worry I'm gonna get into that story after I finish these life updates so let's just move on to the next one so after my trip I had basically two whole days to do absolutely nothing I did so much sleeping because I was pretty much recovering from jet lag and my jet lag wasn't as bad when I came back to the states because more hours were added on to my day as opposed to me losing hours within my day like I did when I flew from San Francisco to Dubai. And I pretty much still wanted to catch up on sleep because the jet lag coming into Dubai was really bad, like really, really bad. I was super tired. So I still wanted to just take some days to decompress and I feel a lot better. I think I don't really have any more jet lag, but I always recommend taking a day to relax and recover the day you get back from a trip because you're going to need it. Absolutely. And then this past Saturday, I went to the farmer's market after I hadn't been for over a month with my friends. I just caught up on getting some groceries since I did not have any food in my apartment whatsoever. So that was really important. I know not, not a very exciting update, but that was something that I did every weekend. And then this past few days, I have started my job search. That's been rough. There are like barely any recruiter jobs out there. And I know today Meta has laid off more people on their recruiting team after they laid off over 11,000 people back in the fall. And it's just getting worse and worse for technical recruiters. Technical recruiting jobs or recruiting jobs in general are becoming very limited And the people that are hiring for recruiters are pretty much startups. And you know me and startups, I have retired from startups. I refuse to go back after working at so many and every single one's been a bad experience. I don't care if you work at the best startup with the best culture that pays really well. The answer is no, I am just not taking my chances. I highly doubt your startup is different. I'm sorry. I just have lost trust and faith in any startups of any kind. I just, I will not do it. 
And then agencies are also recruiting. And I absolutely will not go back to agency. That's how I first got into recruiting. And while it was a great way to get my foot into the door in recruiting, it was so toxic. And it's also a sales-based role. It's not very like people-focused. And I want to be people-focused and not sales-focused. And base salaries for agency recruiting jobs are very, very low because the commission's supposed to make up for it. And it's like, well, I'm not going to take my chances on commission. I need to have a stable base salary so I can afford my rent. And these recruiting agency organizations do not offer livable salaries. So it's just a hard no for me. So yeah, that's been rough. My options are pretty limited. I've applied, I think, to three jobs so far. I was looking at some jobs this morning and I saved a couple on LinkedIn, which I will go back and apply to later today because they seem somewhat decent enough. So that's that with my job search and what I've been doing. And then last, I have been so slammed with going back to my part-time job. So I got back into sessions this past Monday and they have just been piling up. They've been keeping me very busy. And my ADHD has been very overwhelmed since I jumped back into my part-time job. So executive functioning has been an all-time high. And then after I finish all of my sessions and then doing my content creation right after that, I am drained and exhausted and my meds have worn off at that point. So I am just in this position where I am just simply like, oh my God, I can't do any more things for today. I am fried. I'm burnt out. I need to rest. So that's basically everything that's been going on with me within the past few weeks, other than the travel stuff. So now that I've shared all the little things that I've been dealing with, let's talk about the travel drama story of me getting into Dubai because wow, it is drama. And it was so stressful, probably one of the worst days of my life that I've had in a while. So the day that I was supposed to leave for Dubai, which was February 23rd, uh, so February 22nd, that is, Portland got snow. And only the forecast said that it was just going to be flurries. There was going to be little to no accumulation. And that was it. So I said, okay, you know, no big deal. That should have zero impact on my flight. And I just noticed throughout the day that the snow did not stop. In fact, it actually got quite heavier and I was getting really worried because it did start accumulating. It did start making the roads that I could see some streets outside of my apartment where traffic was starting to heavily build up and people were starting to play in the snow. It was just piling and piling and piling and I was getting very nervous and I'm thinking like this snowstorm was never supposed to happen. It was only supposed to be flurries. And so that was leaving me feeling very anxious about my travel schedule for the next day. So later that evening around, I want to say like 10 p.m., I get a text message from Amtrak saying that my train to Seattle for 8.20 in the morning got canceled. And then it said, but we have alternative methods available. And I said, okay, I need to call Amtrak and find a new way to get to Seattle. So basically I called Amtrak and I was told that they did not have any other available options for me because the 12 PM train was all sold out and I was feeling really defeated and I'm trying to think, okay, how the fuck am I supposed to get to Seattle? Because y'all, I was supposed to be flying business class to Dubai out of Seattle. I absolutely could not miss that flight. 
And I was really excited about that flight. Like I was looking forward to that whole experience. I needed to figure out like, okay, how the fuck am I supposed to get to Seattle? So then I found um, the Flix bus was still running supposedly. And so I was able to book a Flix bus trip to Seattle around like seven in the morning the next day. So the next day rolls around and 45 minutes before my bus is supposed to leave. And I'm literally getting ready to about to leave to the station to catch the bus. It gets canceled and I am freaking out. I'm like, okay, how the fuck am I supposed to get to Seattle? The roads are bad. Like the freeway apparently is closed off in some places. Like I need to figure out how to get there. So I just realized that I had to end up flying to Seattle from Portland, which is such a stupid flight. It's literally less than an hour flight. And I just feel like, you know, it causes a lot of like pollution in the air because it's just so unnecessary because Seattle is literally like two and a half to three hours away from Portland in terms of driving. But you know, I didn't really have a choice at this point. So Alaska was going to be my best bet in terms of flying to Seattle. Portland's a main hub for Alaska Airlines and so is Seattle. And so I knew that would be my cheapest option of getting into Seattle from Portland. So all of the flights going out of Portland in general, not just Alaska, were all canceled. And it was a nightmare. But then I see last minute that Alaska opened up a new flight for like 7.30 in the morning. And I had enough time to get there to the airport. And I'm thinking, okay, I need to immediately book this flight and get my ass to the airport ASAP. It was like $270. So as I get to the airport, PDX is a mess. And the Alaska airline counter was horrible. There were lines upon lines upon lines. Like all of the other Airlines either had closed counters because their flights were canceled or the ones that still were going to plan on flying out that morning or afternoon didn't really have as many passengers going through. Like everyone was basically at the Alaska desk. And so I was forced to wait in this really long line. Even like the drop-off baggage line was really long. And I just knew either way that I was not going to make this flight. So I stood in line to rebook this flight for three hours. And when I get to the desk, they tell me that they can't rebook my flight because all of the flights to Seattle are all sold out. And I should have just done the drop-off method. Well, I couldn't because the line was still just as long. I would have still missed my flight either way. So I'm on the verge of tears. I had to basically refund my ticket. Thankfully, I purchased the insurance on it which was like only $22 just because I had a feeling that was potential that it could happen. And it did. So they recredited it back to my account. And so I'm freaking out and I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to get to Seattle? I've already spent $270 and that's kind of gone to waste, even though I can use it for a later time. So then I go to the Delta counter and Delta did have a couple of flights running to Seattle. Supposedly I get to the Delta desk. I'm literally almost on the verge of tears and I just really desperately need to get to Seattle. So I found out that they had one last flight to Seattle that would get me in on time to catch my business class ticket flight to Dubai. And I found out the only thing left is a $600 first class ticket. And I'm thinking, great. Yes, I had the $600 to spend, but this is going to be the stupidest first class ticket that I've ever bought in my life. 
because I'm not going to even be able to enjoy all the full benefits of flying first class for a super short flight, but I don't care. Like I just, I just need to get to Seattle. And so we tried to book it and it failed because as my agent was trying to help me book this ticket, apparently someone took the ticket in the middle of us booking it. And I just feel so defeated at this point. I immediately leave the counter. I say, thanks for your help. And I start crying and I am freaking out. I'm like stuck in this airport trying to figure out what the fuck I'm supposed to do. How the fuck am I supposed to get to Seattle? And that's kind of when I just give up and I realize, you know, I'm not going to be flying to Dubai today. I'm going to have to fly in tomorrow. And that sucks. So I tried to call Air Canada, who's partnered with Emirates. And I was flying out with Emirates, but Air Canada points were used to book my business class tickets. So I had to do the rebooking through them. And I absolutely could not get a hold of Air Canada. Portland services Air Canada. And I tried to go to the Air Canada desk and the counters closed. So I feel even more defeated. So then I just try to call Air Canada's customer service line and I was on hold. I literally could not get a hold of anyone because apparently other parts of Canada were experiencing severe weather patterns that caused travel delays and cancellations. I literally could not get through to someone and I just was so stuck. I was like, okay, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Like I spent this money. So then I tried calling the travel agent that I worked with because they were the ones that actually booked the flight using the Air Canada points. And basically they had to surrender my ticket and they and they credited what I spent and I could use it in case I wanted to fly business class or first class or whatever flight with that money. And I wasn't able to get a new business class ticket because the money that I had spent wasn't enough to cover the rest. And I only had so much money that I could like spend. So basically, this is what I ended up doing. I did see that Amtrak had one last train that was leaving around 730 in the evening. And it was not canceled because apparently the 12 p.m. train did depart. And I was able to book a ticket. So what I just decided to do was to leave the airport. I took the max train to the train station. And it was about like a 50 minute trip. It was very slow. And I fell while trying to get into the train because everything was so icy and slippery. Once I finally get to where I need to be, I then have to drag two suitcases out in the snow. What's supposed to be a two minute walk to the train station literally took me 20 minutes because my suitcases were not making this easy to navigate the roads were still very much slushy and slippery all covered in snow so it made it harder for me to maneuver my suitcases and then I fell again and I am just simply exhausted once I finally got into the train station I was there I had to wait for like three hours and I was just like you know what? I'm just gonna stay here and just wait. Thankfully, like the train station has Wi-Fi. I had things to do. I was able to be entertained and keep myself warm. So I felt a little bit better once I got on the train and knowing that I was finally on my way to Seattle. What I ended up doing is I also forgot to mention, I did book a flight from Seattle. So basically with the, with the credit that I got back from Alaska, I used that credit to book a flight from 
Seattle to SFO. And the reason I did that is because I found an earlier flight that was going to fly out of San Francisco to Dubai. So I wasn't going to be stuck at Seattle's airport all day long because it wasn't going to leave till late afternoon. And I got into Seattle's airport, I want to say around maybe 1130 or midnight or so. And I did not want to be at this airport for very long. So I was able to find a Seattle flight that I think left around at like five or six in the morning. And so I had to wait until 3.30 a.m. just to check in because that's when the Alaska counter was going to open up. And so I finally board my flight to San Francisco. And what's weird is that I saw snow-covered mountains because even the Bay Area somehow got snow, which is something that never, ever, ever happens. So that was odd flying in, but still really pretty, I should say. So I couldn't check in immediately because the Emirates desk wasn't opened. And I had to wait three more hours in the international terminal just to just check my heavy luggage. I was so tired of hauling that around. As I finally check in, I'm waiting for my plane to board. Yes, I had to book a new economy ticket, by the way. So I had to spend $800 more that I did not want to spend. It almost had maxed out my credit card. I was just so tired at this point. I had to spend money that I should have never had to spend in the first place, all because this stupid train got canceled. I will say flying Emirates economy was not a bad experience at all. Yes, I was super bitter that I had to fly economy and I wasn't able to fly business class, but I did get half of an aisle to myself. So nobody had the middle seat. And that gave me a little bit more room to maneuver around. So I was surprisingly comfortable on my flight. Plus the food was pretty good and they had a good entertainment selection and I was able to get some work done. It was just overall a pretty comfortable flight. So I absolutely recommend flying with Emirates. It is just such a great airline. So 10 out of 10 recommend go do it. And then 15 hours later of that flight, I'm finally in Dubai. Oh my gosh. So just 48 hours later of this whole travel mess, I'm finally in Dubai. So whew, that was a story in itself. It was just such a mess, really rocky start, not the way that I wanted to start off my trip, but I'm glad I just got there. So it did take a day off of my trip and my friend and I had to push back some reservations or cancel some things, a part of our trip, because missing a whole day of the trip really threw our whole schedule off. That's the travel drama of me getting to Dubai. And I will say I had a really great time. So Some highlights from my Dubai trip that I can share with you is that the food was so good. Oh my God. My friend and I went to a couple of Michelin star restaurants and the food was definitely expensive, but it was delicious. We went to a really great uh, Middle Eastern restaurant in old Dubai where we had some real Middle Eastern food and the people who worked there were so fabulous and so nice. And we had a really great experience there. We did a really awesome photo shoot in the desert. I don't know if anyone's familiar with the flying dress photo shoots. I think they're worth it. They're a little expensive, but if you're going to some really awesome place like Greece or Rome or Dubai or someplace where you have a desert or a really beautiful beach or scenery, I highly recommend doing a flying dress shoot. I think they make stunning pictures and it's just a really fun thing to do. So we were in the Golden Desert and 
that was in uh, Sharjah, I believe. And so that was really, really fun. And I absolutely would do one of those again in another city. So that, that was a really fun highlight. The pictures turned out really beautiful. We did a lot of drinking um, and we went to a lot of like expensive, fancy bars. I will just say Dubai is one of the bougiest cities I've ever seen in my life. Like just everything there was so luxurious, so glamorous. And I did not see like a single homeless person when I was there. I mean, you know, of course it could have had to do with what area we were in. But at the same time, I just felt like Dubai and like the UAE just really takes care of its citizens. It was just a beautiful city and everything was all flashy. Like all the buildings were flashy. Everything was all lit up. It's very in your face. Really awesome city. I love that about Dubai. A really cool culture experience that we had is that we went to the Jumeirah Mosque. And so we had to wear abayas and we covered our head. And it was really cool to go into a mosque and learn more about Muslim culture and join them for a prayer time. And we even were able to roam around the grounds. They had a little buffet for the people who paid for the tour. So that was really nice. And it was pretty inexpensive to do the tour. I think it was like 35 AED, which is Durham's. So I think that is like equivalent to $9 US, that is, in terms of how much it costs to do that tour. Absolutely worth it. You don't have to go to the Jumeirah Mosque, but there are a lot of mosques that you can go see. I wish we had more time to go to Abu Dhabi. We just didn't, but um, Abu Dhabi is an easy day trip that you can do um, from Dubai where you can get more of a immersive Muslim culture experience. But I felt like we still got that in Dubai, which was really awesome. And then I think the final highlight was going to the Dubai Miracle Gardens, which was absolutely beautiful. It kind of felt like Disney World, but with flowers. And all of the sculptures were beautiful. And there were lots of great photo opportunities there. The people that work there are really lovely. Absolutely something you must do. It is kind of a touristy thing. But I think it's absolutely worth visiting if you go to Dubai. And then, of course, if you are in Dubai, you need to go to the Dubai Mall. Now, Dubai has so many malls, and the malls are really big there in general. But the Dubai Mall is the largest mall in the world. They have, like, almost every single store that you can think of. All of, like, the luxury brands are there. And some of them are even, like, two stories it is wild. Just the Dubai mall is a whole experience in itself. Like you could pretty much spend all day there. Like they even have other activities there. Like apparently they have like a ski resort in there. Like you could literally do indoor skiing inside the Dubai mall. I kid you not. I wish we had more time to explore the mall, but we were in the mall towards like the last few hours of it being open and the mall usually stays open until like either midnight or 1am depending on what day of the week it is it is nuts and I think actually a lot of the malls there are open pretty late but I've just never seen a mall be open that late before so it's absolutely an experience that you absolutely need to do so after Dubai we were there for about three and a half days. Well, Netta was there for four days because she got in the day that we were supposed to be there, that both of us were supposed to be there. So she had to do the first night by herself, but she had fun. She actually had a coworker that was 
in Dubai the same day. So she ended up meeting up with him. So technically she wasn't by herself. So I was really happy for her that she didn't have to be alone. After that, we went to Tel Aviv and that is where Netta lives. And so I stayed at her place for pretty much a week. So some of the highlights from Tel Aviv was, again, all of the amazing food that we ate. I mean, I had some of the best falafel that I haven't had in such a long time. Like, I forgot how good Israeli falafel is because I haven't been to Israel in 12 years. So this was my second time going back. And it was really nice to go back to Israel and do things my way and not the birthright way where I wasn't on this controlled trip on a bus. I mean, some things were worth it, but not everything was worth it. And so it was really nice to do things that I wanted to do. So again, amazing food. The Tel Aviv Art Museum was really awesome. So it's like a modern art museum. So it was really awesome to see some of their temporary exhibits that they had and some of their permanent exhibits and see that they even had some Van Gogh and Picasso pieces there, which I don't think I've ever seen Picasso and Van Gogh pieces in real life. I mean, I might have, but None that I can like recall off the top of my head. So I really enjoyed that. That was a highlight for me was going to the art museum. And that was actually something that I wanted to do. And I know Netta really likes art museums. So I knew that would be something that she would also want to do with me. It was nice to go to Gordon Beach because we were supposed to go to the beach in Dubai, but we didn't have enough time. And we ended up taking a nap because we were both so tired. So we went to Gordon Beach and I went and got to go into the Mediterranean Sea and the water was actually surprisingly at a decent temperature. It felt amazing to just take a dip in the water in late February, early March, and that be acceptable. I got so lucky with the weather in Tel Aviv, like it was super warm and Dubai was really warm. Like it was in the high 80s in Dubai, like it was so hot over there. But Tel Aviv was a little bit cooler, but still feeling very nice to where you didn't need a jacket on some days. So I loved that. And then we took a day trip to Haifa. So I never got to go to Haifa on my birthright trip. So I felt like I was kind of cheated from that because, yeah, I, I never got to go. So we took the train up to Haifa. It was about like a little over an hour. It is so beautiful. Like we went to the Baha'i Gardens. We went to a really good Middle Eastern food place. We went to a brew pub. We did a lot of walking around. We went to a beach over there. And we went to the Salamaris Monastery, which is so beautiful. Oh my God, it had like this gorgeous stone with all of these murals on it. Absolutely recommend doing that. Even if you're not a Christian, I mean, you all know I'm not a Christian, I'm Jewish, but it's absolutely worth it in my opinion. Oh, and then the last thing that I did in Tel Aviv that I could highlight was getting to explore uh, Jaffa and the old city. So that was something that I never got to do. Like on my birthright trip, I was in Tel Aviv for pretty much one day. I remember what my Tel Aviv part of my trip entailed was going to some beach to do Kiddush. And then we went to a bar and then we went to Independence Hall the next morning and then we left. I think we went back to Jerusalem after that. It was a really awesome experience. I'm so mad that my trip never took me to Yaf in the old city because there's so much history down there. A lot of cool things to do, a lot of good food places. And it was just so beautiful. And I'm so glad that I got to do that. And then when it came to Istanbul, so I mentioned earlier that I was flying Turkish Airlines back to Seattle. 
So I actually ended up having a 24 hour layover in Istanbul. So that's why Istanbul was in the picture of my trip. So if I'm going to have a 24 hour layover, obviously I am going to leave the airport and explore the city. And so one of the first things that I did that night is I went to the Sapphire Tower Overlook and I got this beautiful view of the city. Oh my God, absolutely stunning and breathtaking. And I think it cost like 250 liras to go up there. Uh, Another highlight of uh, going into Istanbul are the taxi drivers. Um, Some of the taxi drivers there are a little odd. Some of them can be a little sketchy and shady with their pricing. But, you know, they got me to the places that I needed to get to. So that um, was definitely unforgettable for sure. And then I got this free tour from Turkish Airlines. And I'm going to be having a video coming out later this week where I tell you more about the free tur- the free tour that Turkish Airlines provides if you have a long layover. So I did that the morning of my flight. So I was flying out at like 3.30 that afternoon. So I did this awesome bus tour from it was like 8 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. It starts at the airport and they take you back to the airport and they will basically hold your luggage for you at the bottom of the bus, which is really great. And yeah, I will say a lot of the tour, they did most of it in the bus where it was kind of like, oh, here's this, here's that. But we were able to get out to a few places and take pictures which was really great. And I'm really glad I did it. I think it's absolutely worth it. And just keep in mind, they have a bunch of tours scheduled throughout the day. You have to do the one that's basically going to match up with your flight. And that was the one that was going to work with my flight time. I went to this really wonderful restaurant called Vital uh, the night that I got into uh, Istanbul. I had really great service. The restaurant was kind of empty. So it was really nice to have a peaceful dinner in this beautiful restaurant all to myself. And the food was really solid. And then of course, my favorite thing about Istanbul had to be all of the cats. Istanbul has so many cats. Oh my God, I loved it. There were cats in the restaurant, cats in the metro station, cats in the stores. And the owners and the people that work there don't kick them out. They're welcomed. It's so cool. Like I love how Istanbul loves their cats and sees so much value in all the stray cats there. So I got to do lots of kitty petting. It made me miss my kitty and how I was excited to return back to my kitty. So those are some of the awesome highlights from visiting those three places. So for the next part, I am going to talk about what you should know about traveling to Dubai, Israel, and Istanbul. I have about like 25 things that I want to talk about because I think they're really important. And they were some things that I learned along the way that I think you can also learn if you didn't know this too. One of the first things that I should mention is, so if you are traveling through multiple time zones, I really recommend that the day after you arrive should be a day to catch up on sleep because you are going to be jet lagged. So I really recommend that you plan that into your trip and like you account for it in your whole itinerary that you have to schedule a day just to catch up on sleep. So it will improve your jet lag. My jet lag was so bad and I did not get a lot of sleep in Dubai because my friend and I had this like jam-packed scheduled and we were out really late because things were open so late. Like we weren't going to bed until like maybe two or three every single night. 
And sure, that's kind of on me, but it was just sort of the way that our schedule was planned out and we just ended up having a lot to do. And there were some times where I was able to squeeze a nap in, but I was so tired throughout a good chunk of this trip, but I was even more tired when I was in Israel. So really try to give yourself a rest day. I think it's really important. Don't worry about feeling like you're missing out and that you should be doing things because that's where you put an extra day onto your trip. So it makes up for that lost day since you use that day to sleep. I promise your body will thank you later. Just trust me on that one. The second thing, so this was a really cool thing that the Dubai airport does when you're going through passport control, and that's to take advantage of the free SIM card that passport control gives to you. So as they're stamping your passport, they will put a SIM card in there. And I think it's only like one gigabyte, but you can reload it, which is really great. So there's a very good chance you may not have service with a U.S. carrier. At least for me, I didn't with Verizon. Now, my plan does offer a lot of international plans, but I guess the UAE is not included in that. So when I first got to the airport, I had to immediately connect to the Wi-Fi just to call my Uber because I didn't have service. And then I eventually installed my SIM card into my phone once I got into my Airbnb. But I will say my eSIM card worked just fine in Israel and Istanbul. And I guess that's because those countries are and cities are just a part of my international travel plan. I think it is kind of weird that the UAE wasn't, but you should take advantage of it's totally free. And if you run out of data, then you can obviously refill it. Sure, that will cost money, but at least you'll be able to use your phone, which I think is really great. If you haven't known by now, Dubai is very expensive. I would say budget at least 800 to 1000 US dollars or whatever it is, and depending on where you are in the world. For me, I'm American, so I use US dollars. And that is basically going to be equivalent to uh, 3,670 dirhams. So I will admit that Dubai isn't exactly the most budget-friendly trip. I mean, there are probably ways you could make it more budget-friendly, but so many things cost money there. We just always found ourselves having to pay for things. We didn't really find a lot of free things to do. So I'm going to be very honest there. You're going to spend a lot of money. So make sure you have a very generous budget for that trip. Four, in some parts of Dubai, you unfortunately do have to dress modestly if you are a woman. So it really sucks. I definitely was not a fan of this rule. And I will have to say like, you know, the UAE is a Muslim based country. So I do my best to be respectful. One thing that we found out is that you can't show your shoulders or you're at least you're not supposed to in malls. I think when you're outside, it's perfectly fine, especially because like the weather was really warm there, you know, more power to all the women who have to wear abayas and burkas that are, that keep them fully covered head to toe out in that heat. I don't know how y'all are doing it. Like I would simply pass out from getting overheated unless if like the material they use is super breathable. I don't know. I didn't ask, <laughs> but yeah, that was something that we had to be very mindful of. I mean, you obviously have to dress modestly when you go to religious sites and I will talk more about that in just a little bit, but yeah, that was something that um, I wanted to share. Cause I think it's very important. The fifth thing, Dubai is not a very public transportation friendly city. There is a metro there, um, but my friend and I basically had to Uber everywhere we went. 
So there wasn't a lot of like sidewalks. It wasn't very walkable, which is really disappointing to see at least where we were. We stayed on the palms. So we were a lot further away from everything. And it was so nice staying on the palms, but we were like 20 to 30 minutes away from almost everything that we wanted to do. And there was a metro station nearby, but the problem is that there were like no sidewalks to get to that metro station just to walk there. Because if there were more sidewalks, I feel like we would have taken the metro all over the place because we had to spend quite a bit of money on Ubers. I did notice that Ubers were a lot cheaper there compared to America, but still that was a lot of money that we still had to put down just to navigate around the city. So just keep that in mind. Six is that you really can see and do a lot in Dubai within four to five days. I don't think Dubai needs to be like this week-long trip, which will lead me into the next thing. I do think you should have an extra day so you can do a day trip to Abu Dhabi. Unfortunately, my friend and I didn't get enough time to do that. And I was really sad about it because it would have been really great to experience more um, of Muslim culture and the Islamic religion. Over there, they're a little bit more conservative in Abu Dhabi. But I do hear that Abu Dhabi is just as much as a fantastic city. So it's only about an hour-ish away from Dubai. So if you have more time, I definitely recommend going. Maybe next time I'll go back and do a day trip there because I definitely regret not being able to do that. The eighth thing is to book all of your reservations to the restaurants you want to go to weeks in advance before you leave. Trust me, you'll thank me later. A lot of like nice, luxurious restaurants in Dubai do require reservations. They do fill up. It's just better safe than sorry. Even if you go on a night where it ends up not being very busy. Like I said, it's just better safe than sorry. So we booked our reservations like two or three weeks in advance before our trip. And we had no issues getting seated. Number nine, if you want to go to the Burj Khalifa, which is the tallest building in the world, and they have a really great observation deck over there where you can get a gorgeous view of the city you want to get there before 11 p.m my friend and I really wanted to do this but we got there too late so we weren't able to do an observation deck tour and see the beautiful view from like the 124th or 125th floor of the building so we definitely missed out on that and that was such a shame so don't be like us and try to get there before 11 p.m and plan better than we did so you don't miss out on that really cool opportunity because I think that's a must do when you visit Dubai. So now we'll talk a little bit more about some Israel things that you should know. So if you're traveling to Israel, this is something that you absolutely need to know. You're most likely going to get interrogated at the airport by the Israeli government. So this isn't like a horrible thing. This is very common with El Al. And even when you check into the Tel Aviv airport, they're going to ask you some questions. But if you're flying to Israel in general, there's usually like in an Israeli government employee that's going to be there to ask you some questions. So some of those questions could be like, why are you going to Israel? Who packed your luggage? Did you accept gifts from anyone? Are you Jewish? If you're Jewish, what holidays do you celebrate? And as you mentioned holidays, so I said like, oh yeah, I celebrate Rosh Hashanah. And be like, okay, so tell me, how do you celebrate Rosh Hashanah? What is Rosh Hashanah about? They ask you these questions to make sure that you're not an unsafe person, that you're not a terrorist, because Israel is one of the most threatened countries in the world. So they have to have really high security to make sure that, so you're not some person who's being funny 
do not be funny with them. Do not respond to them being like, whoa, like, why are you asking me all these questions? Like, what the fuck is this? Just be honest, stay calm, answer them honestly, and you will have zero issues getting through. Because the second they see you being weird or funny, they may not let you get on your flight. So don't fight or argue with them about that. It's just a protocol that the Israeli government requires. The next thing about when you're flying into Israel is that Israel actually gives you an entry card at the airport instead of an entry stamp. So make sure you don't lose this. Make sure you keep it in your passport. I have like a passport holder. So I was able to like stick it in the pocket because that's basically like your tourist visa. So you can travel in the country. And it even says like, you're not authorized to work. So make sure you don't lose that. Like once you leave the country, you can get rid of it if you need to. But yeah, don't lose it. The 12th thing. Israel is a very small country. What's great is that you can drive up and down the country most likely within like five to six hours. That's how small it is. And it's really easy to do day trips to different cities. Like we were able to easily do a day trip to Haifa, which was literally a little over an hour away from Tel Aviv. So we did the train, as I mentioned earlier, so definitely something to take advantage of. And the 13th thing, and this will apply to all three places that I went to because two are Muslim cities and Israel obviously is a Jewish state, but be respectful of religious sites and simply dress appropriately, whether you're in Dubai, Israel, or Istanbul. The 14th thing, Israel is a much more public transportation friendly city and it's super easy to bus all over Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv doesn't have a metro. I do believe they're installing a light rail system, as my friend was telling me, but the bus system over there was pretty fantastic. So definitely recommend taking the bus. So we saved a lot of money on like navigating around the city because we were taking the buses. Number 15, ordering falafel and shawarma in Israel is an absolute must. I mean, did you even go if you didn't order that food? I mean, you are not going to get better falafel and shawarma in Israel than anywhere else. So make sure you order up and enjoy it. Number 16, if you're going to go to like a shuk or like a market, I really recommend that you negotiate or haggle at them. Um, it's very common to do and it's very well accepted and you can maybe even get a better deal because sometimes some things are priced more expensive than what they need to be. So you definitely can try and say like, hey, I'll pay you 50 for this as opposed to like 70 shekels because something may not really be worth 70 shekels. And I ended up not doing this the second time around because I just had zero energy and I just wanted to purchase my damn things and I just didn't care about negotiating. But the first time I visited Israel, I was haggling and I got some deals that I wanted, especially for things that I could afford. With the 17th thing, so now I'm kind of going into Istanbul now. So if you're flying Turkish Airlines and you have a long layover in Istanbul, you can get a free tour or a hotel. And I mentioned this earlier, right? So absolutely take advantage of it and don't sit in the airport for hours. And you're only eligible for this if you're flying Turkish Airlines and you have a layover for at least six hours. I mean, it's not worth getting a hotel if you have a six hour layover, but there are some short trips that you can do within an hour or two that can still get you back in time to the airport to catch your flight if you have a shorter layover. But oh my God, take advantage of it, please. Okay, the 18th thing is that the Istanbul airport has very tight security and they even did carry on bag searches at the gate. So be prepared for that and make sure you don't have any embarrassing items in your carry-on. I mean, I certainly did it, but God, could you imagine if I had like a sex toy in there or like a bunch of them and 
it's just out there in the open for everyone to see, for all of the security people to see. It's like, eh, awkward. So just keep that in mind. I don't know how common that is, but when I flew back to America, that happened to me. So I'm just sharing it in case it does happen because I don't know if they do it at every single gate, but it certainly happened to me. The 19th thing. If you're visiting Istanbul, don't book your hotel near the airport because, oh my God, you're going to be so far from everything and you're literally going to have to take a cab into the city. There is not a lot of public transportation out near the airport. Well, there is a metro, but there wasn't a metro near where my hotel was. And for me, it made sense to book a hotel near the airport because I had a 24-hour layover and I needed to get back to the airport in a timely manner, especially to catch my morning tour. So you will either have to basically take a cabin to the city or you're going to have to endure a very long bus ride into the main city. Like Istanbul is a big city and it extends over two continents. Like there's the Asia side and the Europe side. I was on the Europe side, so I didn't have enough time to go to the Asia side. So I just stayed on the Europe side for the sake of time. Number 20. Ubers in Istanbul are pretty much linked to taxi services and not regular or personal cars. So I really recommend downloading the eTaxi app over Uber because when you open up Uber, taxis pop up and it's not like people's personal vehicles. And taxi drivers there can get a little sketchy at times. So use B-Taxi instead of Uber. Because sometimes Uber will literally cancel your ride in the middle of your trip. That happened to me and I had the most awkward confrontation with my Turkish cab driver and I ended up having to underpay him because I was relying on my credit card to pay for that Uber. And yeah, that was awkward. I never want to deal with that ever again. Number 21. There were more English speakers in Istanbul than I thought. And I really wish I had more time to learn basic Turkish phrases, but I really struggled on how to pronounce things properly. I thought Turkish was a very complicated language to learn and understand, but I will say they do appreciate you trying. They will not be offended by that. Number 22, this one I felt to be really weird and interesting at the same time, but the Turkish police really don't like it when you take pictures of the cats or pet them. I don't know why, but I just say do it when they're not around. Turkish people take the stray cats very seriously. They care a lot about their safety and they're very well cared for. I wish I could have asked them, why can't I take a picture of the cat? But you know, it is what it is. Number 23, if you have cat allergies and you're planning on visiting Istanbul, make sure you're bringing all of your allergy meds with you because you will find out that the stray cats are all over the city. They're inside the restaurants, they're inside other businesses, they're inside the metro station, they're inside the metro turnstiles. Like when you have to swipe and tag your card to get to the platform, they're everywhere. People who work at the businesses and restaurants there don't kick the cats out and they don't move them around. They're very welcomed and they're basically treated as guests. So I do love that the Turkish people love and care for their cats because you know me, I'm a cat lady, I love cats. Number 24, public transportation is a lot better in the main parts of Istanbul, and they do have metros and light rails to use to get around. They're pretty inexpensive. I used both. So yeah, if you're in like the main part of the city, it's a lot easier to navigate. It's just that their airport is just all the way out in the boonies. It's so far from everything. And there is a metro in the airport, but it still will take an ample amount of time to get to the main parts of the European city. So just 
keep that in mind. And then the last thing that I wanted to mention is number 25. I recommend spending your days exploring one to two neighborhoods since Istanbul is so spread out. Don't forget to visit the Asia side or the European side, wherever you are or staying in the city. Like I said, I was only there for 24 hours and I was on the European side, but I absolutely would love to go back and explore more of Istanbul and even go to the Asia side and see what it's like to see if the vibe is different or it's kind of the same. So that would be really cool to compare and contrast the two continent sides of the city because it is a transcontinental city. And that was something that I actually learned a couple of weeks before I even flew out to Dubai. I had zero idea. So that was my first time being in Europe. So I really liked that. So yeah, that's basically everything I wish I knew. And I think this is really good advice to share for anyone who is going to travel to any of these places. I think this will be really helpful. So to wrap this whole episode up, I had one more segment and I wanted to share some of my best ways to plan a big trip. So the first thing that I want to suggest when it comes to planning a big trip is I highly recommend you download this really cool app called Wonderlog and they're not sponsoring this episode trust me basically Wonderlog is this really cool app where you can plan your itinerary whenever you have a trip coming up it has so much information integrated there like you can basically choose different places you want to go to on different dates and you, you literally have to see it for yourself because it is such a really cool interactive app that really helps you stay organized and stay on schedule so you don't have this very chaotic trip where you're doing things at last minute. And I know that everyone's not a planner and some people really like spontaneity, but I think it's really worth it. So I definitely recommend that you give it a try and see how it works for you, but as someone who has ADHD, like this is a great app for people who are neurodivergent because it can basically keep you on target for where you need to go. It gives you structure. You can put in different times on what you need to do. You can even put in the budgets that you want to allot for each place that you go to. It is such a cool app and it's very visual. So definitely download that. The second thing that I wanted to share when it comes to planning a big trip, this is regards to packing, but if you don't have these already, you need to buy them now, but they are packing cubes. I swear by packing cubes. Oh my God. I have some on my Amazon storefront. If you're interested, they're very inexpensive, but packing cubes will save so much space in your suitcase. They truly are a game changer. I used to be somebody who just threw clothes into my suitcase and it made my suitcase feel a lot heavier than what it needed to be. And it was just really messy and I had a hard time searching through stuff. So this was a great way to just stay organized when it came to packing. The next thing I wanted to share is to make sure you do your research if you're visiting another country that potentially needs a tourist visa. So I can say that Turkey was a country that needed a tourist visa. So I had to pay for the EVs. I think it was like $20. And yeah, so you just need that. So just keep that in mind. Dubai and Israel, at least for US citizens, did not need a tourist visa. I do think Dubai does require a tourist visa if you're coming from another country. But if you're coming from the US, you don't need one. So yeah, just make sure you do your research on that because the last thing you want is to be turned away 
from passport control. If you don't have that provided visa, that's going to be awkward, but I feel like they're typically pretty easy to get, like you can get them online, but yeah, to save yourself the trouble, just purchase it in advance. And then the fourth thing, which is something that I mentioned earlier is to make sure you plan a relax or sleep day to combat jet lag. I went into detail about that earlier. I'm not going to go into too much detail about it now, but just speaking of jet lag, which will lead me into the fifth thing is to look into jet lag pills. I wish I knew about this earlier. I found out that this is a thing and you can buy them on Amazon. They're basically like these homeopathic pills that have some sort of ingredient that can really help you with jet lag. So next time I'm traveling and I have to go through a bunch of different time zones where I'm going to be losing time of my day, because that's technically what makes your jet lag even worse. I am going to buy those, even though I, I listen, I still recommend you take a sleep day, but you won't feel as groggy throughout the rest of your trip with these jet lag pills. Apparently they have a really good success rate. So yeah, take a look at Amazon and purchase them because I think that will be really beneficial. And that was something that I kind of wish I had prior to leaving for my trip. So the sixth thing is you don't have to go to a currency exchange to get your visiting country's currency. Many debit cards and credit cards will now work internationally. And so it's pretty easy to just get your cash at an ATM. A lot of places are, like I mentioned, accepting of credit cards. And so they will just convert it over to your country's currency. And I know a lot of credit card companies are straying away from foreign transaction fees. I will say my debit card did have the foreign transaction fees. So I would probably avoid using a debit card in a country unless if you're doing it for the ATM, but you should be okay with your credit card. But yeah, another thing though, if you do go to a currency exchange, just know that they don't really accept coins unless they're from the country that you're currently in. So for an example, when I was at the Ben Gurion airport in Tel Aviv, I wanted to convert some of my leftover shekels to Turkish liras, but I also had a couple of leftover coins from the UAE. And so they only accepted the UAE bills, but not the UAE coins, but they were able to accept the shekel coins since it was their own currency. So something to keep in mind for that, because that was something that I didn't know. I didn't know they don't accept coins from other countries, only bills. The seventh thing. I really recommend you create a packing list and you capsule wardrobe your outfits so it helps you not overpack. So basically this is where you use some of the same pieces to create different outfits by mixing and matching. One app that I really like using to do this is an app called Stylebook and that's how I create my outfits. Basically you have to upload like every single article of clothing into the app. It is a bit of a tedious process, but it is such a game changer and it can even generate outfits for you. Sometimes it's not always good, but I've gotten some really great outfit ideas from the generation tool and I've created different like categories and lists of different outfits that I can wear. Like I have seasonal outfits. I had outfits for when I go visit specific cities or countries or outfits for going out, outfits for date night that I basically created my own capsule wardrobe from. So that is something that I really recommend doing, and again, like capsule wardrobing will also save you space in your suitcase. It's very, very beneficial. The eighth thing. One thing I didn't know is that when you are using a carry-on luggage and you're traveling internationally, 
Most of the time, they only want your carry-on luggage to be up to 15 pounds. Otherwise, you're going to have to check it. Um, so when I was going into Dubai, I got my carry-on suitcase weighed and it was like two pounds over and I had to check and that was kind of annoying. But I was able to take my carry-on with me to assemble because I was staying in a hotel and I wanted to change the clothes with me. So I made sure that I didn't go over the limit. So yeah, I learned that the hard way when I was heading to Dubai. So pack your carry-on lightly if you are traveling internationally. And then the final thing that I can share with you is that when you are traveling internationally, make sure you have the appropriate adapter plugs in advance. You're going to want to buy those in advance. You can buy them on Amazon because your current country's plugs will most likely not work in the country that you're visiting unless you already live in a European country and you're visiting another European country, then your outlets will probably work. Except for the UK, I think. I think the UK has a completely different outlet. So yeah, make sure you don't forget to buy adapters for your plugs so you can plug things in like your phone or your computer or a hair strain or something like that, right? You definitely can buy them in your visiting country, but it's just best to have it in advance so it just saves you a trip to the store. So yeah, that is everything that I wanted to share regarding my travel experiences, the drama that I had with traveling, all the things that I learned from traveling to these three places, what I learned, and I wanted to share it with you. This is probably like the longest solo episode that I have done in a really long time, but I really hope you found it informative and that it helped you. Please make sure you give us a good rating on the Apple Store and even on Spotify. Apparently you can do that there now as well. But with that, if you have an unapologetic experience that you'd like to share with me, feel free to email the podcast at shamelesslyunapologeticpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at shamelesslyunapologetic. And guys, I will see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye!